Welcome to episode 386 of We Don't Die Radio. I'm your host, Sandra Champlain, author of the international best-selling book called We Don't Die, A Skeptic's Discovery of Life After Death. And this is one of our special video episodes. So if you're listening on your favorite podcast and you'd rather be watching, just head over to YouTube and type in We Don't Die Radio 386. Easy as that. And just a reminder, our home base is wedontdie.com. And you can always find inspiration, motivation, grief support. You can join our free Sunday gathering that happens every Sunday, two o'clock New York time. And we have a medium demonstration as part of it. So yes, we do medium readings on people in our online audience. We also have medium classes, psychic classes, demonstrations, and just so much more. We really do. Anyways, that's at wedontdie.com. Our guest today is Carol Cooper, who published a book called Knock Knock, It's Me, Mom. Her only child, Brian, passed in 2016 due to an overdose after receiving what he believed was something to help him relax as he suffered from anxiety and sleep issues. This past July, her new book came out called My Broken Heart Lives On Without You, incredible stories of hope and unconditional love from our loved ones in heaven. As a former special education teacher and designer of award-winning anti-bullying bears, Carol runs a nonprofit foundation called A Life for Brian, where she raises money to help those struggling with addiction and mental illness. She provides funding to those in need of shelter, many of whom are homeless and is passionate that there is a way for all to lead meaningful and fulfilling lives. You can find out more about everything she's got going on at alifeforbrian.com. Carol, welcome to our show. Thank you so much. I'm very excited to be here. Thank oh, you. me too. Me too. And just a big long distance hug from all of us for everything you've Thank been you. through. But I know, you know, sometimes it's our, our darkest times that lead to being able to serve others. Absolutely. Yeah. So with that, why don't you let us know a little bit about you, where you're from, a little bit about your background, and then just if you could use okay. the story of Brian. Yes. Um, thank you. So my name is Carol Cooper. <clears throat> I'm originally from uh, Chatham, New Jersey. I moved up to Pennsylvania recently, um, where it's very quiet. Um, I was a mother of Brian Durson, who was my only child. Um, we had a very strange relationship. Brian suffered from separation anxiety disorder. So for a good part of my life, I was basically you know, joined at the hip to him. He suffered terribly from mental illness to the point where he was always worried about me. So he would call 10, 15 times a day. This went on until his college years. He also suffered. Um, he was very obese and um, he had a size 52 waist when he was 12. So he had a very low opinion of himself. So with the, the weight issue and the anxiety issue, he always suffered and, you know, had a very difficult childhood and, of course, was bullied. Um, but, you know, fast forward, Brian ended up losing a tremendous amount of weight, 125 pounds. He became six foot two, 180 pound, gorgeous young man who uh, went to Monmouth College. He was extremely intelligent. Um, he, he ended up working at Morgan Stanley, where he ran three departments. You know, this is very common for 
children who have addiction, they always seem to be extremely intelligent and extremely good looking for some reason. Uh, but anyway, so Brian um, did suffer from, you know, anxiety and had difficulty sleeping. And I know he was taking a lot of ambience to try to sleep. Um, I was not aware that Brian had a drug problem. Um, you know, they do hide it well, but I honestly believe that he was taking Adderall, which was prescribed, and he was taking this Ambien to try to sleep. And, as, you know, as time went on, he was taking more and more, and it wasn't working, and he was getting other issues from the medication, such as restless leg syndrome and all of that. So long story short, um, one night um, when I was not able to find him, which was very unusual, I had the superintendent do a well check on him and they found him in the bathroom and he had passed. And I later went on to find out that somebody came to his house to give him something to help him to relax and to sleep, which was his big issue in life. And he snorted up his nose and it was fentanyl laced heroin. And that was the end. And I didn't even know what that was. I thought he definitely had a heart attack or an aneurysm. Drugs were the first, furthest thing from my mind. Right. So with me, I wasn't able to, you know, provide any help for him because I didn't know. Um, I don't know if that's good or bad. I don't know if it's easier to live with somebody and watch them go through addiction and relapse or for it to just happen. But, you know, it did happen. And um, I went on to become an advocate for drug awareness. Um, I had two choices after he passed. Very common. Most people, after they lose a child, I shouldn't say most, but a lot of us have those thoughts of, I don't want to be here anymore. Right. I didn't feel like I had any reason to be here because he was my only child and my life revolved around him and my entire world was Brian as his was with me. And so um, I did contemplate suicide. I was very close, but something in my head said, it's not your time. You cannot do this. It was a very powerful moment for me. And so I had two choices. I could either die or continue to live on and try to, you know, live for him. And the reason that I didn't do it was because I was not a believer in the afterlife. I was brought up to believe there is no such thing. My father was that type of a person. Like, talk about skeptics. I don't think there was any bigger skeptic than my dad. And he always taught us to believe that when you die, you die, and that's it. Right. So for me, I figured, well, if I do, I'm not going to see him. And then where am I going? And that scared me to death. So I guess it was part of my journey, and um, I did not do that. So um, I was a special education teacher at the time of Brian's passing, and I worked with autistic children. And that was my passion, I think, because Brian had all those issues. I was very, you know, my heart was with people who had differences or did not fit into society. And so, at, you know, in my 50s, I went back to college and I got my master's in special education and I taught autistic children. And that became a passion for me. I created these bears called uh, the Ready, Set, Go anti-bullying uh, anti bears which taught children how to stand up for themselves, how to build positive self-esteem. Um, they came with a book that I, a little story book that I wrote about two little um, bears, uh, two little children that didn't want to go to school. 
they met an old woman and she said, what's wrong? And they said, I'm bullied. I don't want to go to school. I don't like it. And she taught them the ready, set, go um, method, which was get ready to overcome your fears, set your goals high and go out there and be the best you can be. And she told them to repeat that to ready, set, go. When they opened their eyes, they turned into the, um, they both turned into superheroes. And it came with a pendant that had the ready, set, go. And at the end, it said, now you take off the pendant so you too can be a superhero. And they wore it. And all the kids in school were carrying the bears around, wearing the pendants. I made a cartoon that's on my website of the bears. It was very, very, um, you know, very healing to me to see, you know, how I was able to help these through a bear. And then after he passed, I left my job. And um, I couldn't do it anymore. And I just, I sat on the couch and I said, what am I supposed to do now? You know, where am I supposed to go? I do have a significant other who was very, very helpful to me. And he sat down and he held my hand and we cried. And he said, you have to live for him. You have to, you cannot just give up. I know how hard it is. I know he was your world. And I always said, you know, I'm strong. I feel I'm a very strong woman, but... I said, please don't ever take my child. That's one thing I could not be able to deal with. And when I, when Brian was taken, I found such inner strength somewhere. I, I think it was God coming to me to say, it's not your time. You have a mission. You have a purpose. And it was like an awakening. And I said to my boyfriend, I have to start a foundation. And he said, do you feel you're ready to do that? And I said, I have to do that. And I just sat down and I came up with a life for Brian because I wanted to save just one life for Brian. So I called it a life for Brian. And I, within three months, I had it up and running. And um, I was already connecting myself with other foundations, such as Stop the Heroin, Silent Epidemic, King's Crusade. All these other people were coming to me that had similar missions in life. And we all came together and we developed a website called gotrecovery.org where people can actually go and ask for assistance. And we, you know, collaboratively get together and we fund these people into sober living. And I have gotten count, I've received countless letters from people who have said, I've changed their lives, I've saved their lives, I'm an angel. I mean, without me, they don't know where they'd be. And some became like children to me, isn't it? It's funny how I don't have Brian, but yet now I have these other people that are like children to me that I've helped. And I feel so rewarded. And um, so to continue on, um, after I started my foundation, I had my bear and I just, it wasn't, it didn't fit in with what I was doing. And I just put it in the closet. And one evening I was sitting there and it's like, I hear voices in my head. It's probably Brian. And he says, Mom, you got to do something with your bear. It's too nice to just leave in the closet. So I came up with Comfort Bear. And it's bears that help people in their time of grief. And they can hold it in their hour of darkness. And I'll show you real quick. I have so Get it, get it. But let me just show you some of them. These are them. And basically, okay, I'm going to hold one up. This was one that I did for drug awareness with the purple. It says, when you feel like you can't bear the pain, hug this bear and say my name. It has a little locket around its neck that opens up, and you could either put your child's picture, ashes, or anything that reminds you of your child. 
So ready, set, go means get ready to carry on, set a goal, and go out there and cherish your loved one. And it also came with a gift card that explained the message. And, you know, it's traveled all over the country. It's all over the Internet. People have sent me pictures with their children that say they can't sleep without it. Um, I even made one for suicide awareness with the colors purple and turquoise with the suicide headband. What does he say on the front? The same thing. When you feel like you can't bear the pain, hug this bear and say my name. I also have some that teach um, how to build positive self-esteem when you're in active addiction. Those are my anti-addiction bears. They're superheroes. They come with a pamphlet that tells you what to do when you feel like you're at your weakest time. And those became very popular. And I also use them to fund my foundation so that I can help others. And by the way, this was my beautiful son, Brian. He was such a handsome young man. Um, And, you know, I'd love to share this picture. I can't believe he's gone. Okay, so now I'm going to get to my books. Oh, let me just cut in for a second. Amazing, amazing what you've done. Grief is the worst thing we're ever going to feel. There's no question. Be easier to get a limb chopped off than feel grief. So it is from all of us to you. I mean, we just send our condolences and our love. And just yesterday, I heard on the news that fentanyl is the leading killer of age 18 to 45 people, age 45 in the United States. And it's like, there's so much, there's so much. And I know what it was like to be a young person. And even though I didn't experiment with those kind of things, you just, you never think anything's going to happen to you. So just a real kudos to you and so much gratitude, those bears and your stories, and we'll get into your books, of course, but they will live on. And so just, I'm so proud of you for taking um, what was thrown your way and really being a crusader to make a difference in others, others' lives and all the ways that you're doing. So thank you. Yeah. And yes, and you bring up fentanyl and that's something that I really need to address because, you know, while I have been active in advocating for drug awareness, I do go different places um, into schools, hopefully, Um, I'm invited more up in Pennsylvania because it's very important for young people to hear what's going on. A lot of people are not aware of the dangers of fentanyl. And I do meet people when I'm doing events and sometimes they'll say to me, thank goodness my child does not do heroin. And I said, please, you cannot say that because I have met so many people and I have to tell you, There's several people that lost their child to marijuana, laced fentanyl, um, Percocets, any type of pill. They say now on the internet, one pill can kill. That has become very popular because they're putting it in everything. And one story I always share, a young um, mother reached out to me to share a story, which I never, ever stopped talking about this story and telling it. Her daughter went to a party. She was having menstrual cramps and somebody at the party gave her an ibuprofen and she died on the floor. It was laced with fentanyl. So how can people possibly say that you're safe if you don't do heroin? Because now it's in everything. You have to be so careful. They're putting it in candy now. And that's why there's children that are dying in schools that are 10, 11, 12 years old. It was on the news. It's on the internet. Um, Also, children are getting this off the dark web. It's as easy to order 
you know, pills right now as it is to order a, a jacket, pair of shoes on the internet. These kids know where to go to the dark web and it's, it cannot be traced. These people are very good at what they do to get these kids to buy it. So I tell parents, you, no matter what you feel, you have to be in your child's face. You have to look at their internet, look at their telephone, no matter what they say. Believe me, you don't want to be in my shoes. And if it means saving a child's life, then that's what you have to do. There was a very famous woman who lost her son to fentanyl in a pill. And I can't remember her name. She wrote books for, um, I can't remember her name, but she lost her son. And he, he got a pill from the dark web. And she said that she was always talking to him about drugs, always, you know, looking at what he was doing. But she never went into his computer because she trusted him. And now she is so sorry that she didn't do that because she feels if she did, she might have been able to intercept this. So it's very important to talk to your children, to watch what they're doing. And if you see any change in behavior, if they're isolated, if they're in the rooms, if they're not, you know, taking care of themselves, if their habits are changing, if they seem to be nodding off, these are all signals that you need to look for because it's, you don't get a second chance with fentanyl. It's that bad. And there's now drugs out there that are uh, resistant to even Narcan. I mean, they're coming out with all different kinds of things now where Narcan's not working. So this is very, very serious. And it, it's something you really need to be aware of and very conscious with your children because, you know, I didn't know Brian had a drug problem. So, you know, if I live with the what ifs and the could ups, you can't do that. If, you know, if it happens, you have to just move on and try to help others through your story, which is what I do, you know, by sharing my story, I hope it brings some kind of, you know, awareness out there to parents that might not be aware that this is happening. Um, and if I could just save one life, that's what I'm here for. And so I constantly talk about this issue. And I'm always here. Um, if you lost a child and you're grieving, and you need someone to talk to, and you just don't know where to go or what to do, please. I'm so reachable on the computer. On the, You can reach me through my website. You can reach me through Facebook. I'm just a phone call away or a text away. I always respond to every single message that I get, just like you're my best friend. So please, if you feel like you need that, you just reach out to me. Oh, bless you for doing that. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. Okay. With that, you've got two books. And by the sounds of the books, it sounds like your son has been in touch. Could you talk about what's in your journey? When did it happen? And what kind of things started happening to have you know that he's still alive? And I believe he's your partner on getting this message out. So again, like I said, after Brian passed, I was 100% not a believer. And then suddenly things started happening, like things that got my attention because I didn't know what a sign was. I didn't know anything like that. I've never, you know, even looked into anything like that because, again, I was a non-believer. So the first thing that happened to me was when this happened, my boyfriend said, you need to go see a Greek therapist. I said, yes, I do. And I was living in Chatham. And so I went on a website and it. It tells you, you know, different, it, it tells you different towns from A to Z. 
and you pick the one where you're in and then it lists different therapists in your area. So I went down the list. It started with like Aberdeen, went all the way down to Z. And when I got to the Chatham, it was all capital letters, but no other words were just Chatham. And I said, oh my God, what is that? So I ran outside. I got my boyfriend. I said, look, how come Chatham's capitalized? He said, I don't know. Maybe it's just an error. I said, but it's the, look, it's the only word that's capitalized. So he said, I don't know. So I said, that's weird. So the next day I went and my girlfriend said, you should take a picture of that. It's maybe it's a sign from Brian. I said, a sign. So I went to take a picture and it was no longer capitalized. It was small letters, like all the rest of the words that got my attention. So it didn't, it didn't do anything to turn me into a believer, but it definitely got my attention. So then I started thinking about things. I'm like, is this like, am I supposed to be doing something? I don't understand. Like I was very confused. I was lost. And I started thinking about things. And before Brian passed away, I was sitting on my porch and with my dogs. And I heard in my head very clear, your son is going to choke. And I'm like, oh my God, what is that? So I ran in to tell my boyfriend. He said, that doesn't sound right. Maybe because he lives alone, you know, and he eats so fast. You were just having a bad moment. I said, okay. So I, I let it go. And two months later, it happened again. The same voice in my head. And I again told my boyfriend, he said, I don't know. Where, where do you go with that? I said, I can't tell Brian because he's going to get scared and think I'm crazy. So I would call him every night, six, seven, eight o'clock. Did you eat dinner yet? And he said, mom, please, what do you ask me that question? So fast forward one month later, my son passed from an overdose and the secondary was asphyxiation. So that came to my head. Like I'm thinking, okay, was that a premonition? Was God preparing me of something that was coming? And I believe, yes, now that I'm on this spiritual journey, I believe this was a premonition to prepare me for what was going to come. So as I'm sitting there, I just said to myself, maybe I have to start looking for things. Maybe he's trying to get my attention. That's where the knock, knock, it's me, mom, came into my head. Like, knock, knock, mom, I'm here. Knock, knock, open your eyes. So when I would go to different events, I started taking pictures of these things that were happening, crazy things. The first one or maybe not the first one, but the one that really got my attention, because as a skeptic, Brian knew he'd have to do something so over the top that I would believe it. Otherwise, if I saw a penny, I wouldn't think anything of it, a dime, I wouldn't think anything of it. So he knew he had to do something absolutely off the charts. So somebody texted me, it was a very quiet day, it was on the computer by myself, somebody texted me, do you want to get together and have some lunch? And it was a bad day. And I I just, I didn't want to be rude, but I went to text her back to tell her that I'm very sorry, but, you know, it's just not the right time. And where I would type it, it said, why, you know, eat your food. You want mommy to get your chicken. And I sent it to her because I didn't know what it was. And she called me on the phone. What is that? I said, what does that say? Read it to me. She says, why, you know, eat your food. You want mommy to get your chicken. I dropped the phone, I dropped to my knees and I started crying, Brian, Brian, that's you, I know it. Because when he was young, all he ate was chicken fingers. And I would always say, Brian, don't you eat anything besides chicken? It was written as if a child wrote it. I have a picture of it. It is in my book. I do share the picture. Back and up and just say where that picture came from again. 
it was on my text message, like where oh. you would type your answer, where I would have typed, I can't make it today. Those words were written. Why, you know, eat your food. You want mommy to get your chicken. It was typed as a message. And I said, Wild. And I sent it to her because I knew that I had to save it. Mm-hmm. That was unbelievable. I could not question it. There was nothing on the TV that would have, you know, had those. I mean, and it was written like a child. It was just written like a child. So that definitely got my attention. And then I knew I had to start my spiritual journey. I had to do that. I had to have an awakening. So at that point, I started to become more of a believer that he was trying to get my attention somehow. I'm thinking, this is possible. So the signs started getting bigger and bigger and bigger. Like one was better than the next. I mean, in my book, I have such pictures like nobody could believe. That's why I think it went to number one, because he is so unbelievable when he gives me signs. Most people get dimes. A lot of people get dimes. And Brian would send me dimes, leave dimes here and there. And and he knew that it didn't do anything to me. So he had to be creative. So one day he left. I was doing a tricky tray for my foundation. And I I had this set. It was like a picnic set that had, you know, forks and knives in it. And my girlfriend said, take the plastic off. It looks like it's spotted and it's brand new. So I started pulling the plastic off the knives and she goes wait a minute look at the last knife you forgot one so I said oh I forgot that one so I went to pull it out and sure enough in the plastic wedged up to the top was a dime and this was a brand new set and it was stuck up there I couldn't even get it out I said oh my god Brian really I mean it's you know now that's amazing that is amazing that was yeah (laughs) wow And then he started leaving dimes in different ways. So we always played at the casino together. That was our big thing in life. We played the slot machines. We loved doing that. And I went to the casino for the first time. It was so hard to walk in. But there was our machine, the Wheel of Fortune. I said, Brian, I'm going to do this for you. It's so hard, but I'm going there. There was two machines. They weren't being played. The casino was packed, but these two machines were open. I walk over to the machine. And there on the machine is a 10 cent voucher (laughs) right in front of the machine. So, I mean, it's just crazy things like that, that he does. And um, the other thing that I always shared when I went to events was I played the crossword puzzles, you know, the scratch offs. And I always get words in there that make me believe it's him. And I would always say, Brian, give me my aha moment. Every time I got a crossword puzzle, it always said, aha, everyone, aha, aha, aha. And I said, is that even a word? So I said, Brian, I know that you're, you know, keep sending me the word aha, but can you give me more? I just need a little bit more. So I go in, I get the lottery ticket. I look down. I could not believe it. It said, aha, and then rest in peace, sun, and the word lanterns, which is for drug overdose. All those words in one puzzle. And that is how he gets to me. That are the, That's the way that Brian sends signs. I mean, I can go on and on and on and on, but it's just too many. So my belief system went from 0% to 90%. 
Why is it not 100%? I believe God does want does not want me to be 100%. He wants me to have that 10% doubt because when I get into those really dark moments, that keeps me here, you know, but 90% is really good for me. And I know that he's with me. I know he helped me write this book because I'm not a writer. I've always been very good at writing, but I've never, ever thought about writing a book. And then in three months, I sat down on the computer and I typed day and night. I did not stop. Every time I wanted to stop, I heard his voice, mom, keep going. I got more, I got more, I got more. And I kept going and going and going. And when I finally finished it and I thought it was perfect, I heard this loud thunder clap like he was clapping for me. And I heard him say, good job, mom. And, you know, and, and that was my book. And there's also a chapter on mediums, which I'd like to real quickly say a shout out to Karen Noe, shout out to the late Janet Nahovec. These are two women that got me through my life because if they don't connect, didn't connect to Brian, nobody did. Karen Noe, when I went to see her immediately, she felt Brian and she said, who's real? B-R-I-A-L. She wrote it down. And I started to cry like there was no tomorrow when my dad used to call my son Briel when he was young. And it was just a made up name. I didn't even remember that. And how she would know that if Brian wasn't there talking to her. That was also a, an awakening moment for me. And one that every time I go into that dark moment, I think about that when she said Briel. And I knew that he was there with me that day. But there's so much in this book. I talk about who I was before Brian, who I was with Brian, and who I am now without Brian. I also talk about all the groups that helped me, all the books that I read that helped me, all the videos that I watched on YouTube about near-death experiences that helped me. This is a great book for anybody grieving. I, I mean, I wish I had this book when I lost Brian because I think it really would have helped me. And then the other book that I wrote, just to let you know, I... After that book, I said, I'm done. I don't ever want to write a book. But what happened was these people reached out to me after they read my book. And they said, can I share a story with you? And they were life-changing experiences. Like they gave me goosebumps and made me cry. And I said, oh, no, please don't. I said, now I'm going to want to write another book. So I did. And it was called My Broken Heart Lives On Without Me. And these are stories that everybody shared with me. Near-death experiences. Um, bedside stories when people are dying and they can't move and then they lift their hands up to reach for God or an angel. Um, things that pets do or see when someone dies. Things that children say when people die. Near-death experiences, which are just absolutely unbelievable. And there's so much more. And this was a very powerful book. And I'm so blessed that people shared their stories with me. And, you know, there's also signs in here as well from, from people who had, you know, very amazing signs like mine. So now I'm done writing, but I think that, you know, this was also part of my journey. I don't know what the next part is going to be, but I'm open for anything. I know when it's my time, my son's going to come to get me and, and I'm going to have a big party because I know I've done so much in his name. And, you know, I'm always the voice of other people who can't be a voice. I'm happy to share other people's stories whenever they want me to. And, you know, that's my journey. That's my mission. And wow. Connecting with you is, I know Brian led me to you because he only leads me to the best people. People that 
honestly, with Janet Nahobek, when I first lost Brian, people, she was very, very big. And she was one that I really thought I needed to see. But when I called, there was a two-year wait. And I said, oh, my God, I can't wait two years to see her. I don't know if I'll make it two years. And the woman on the phone was so apologetic, but she said, there's nothing I could do but put you on the list. And then I went to a compassionate friends group, and I met this beautiful woman who lost her son. We connected immediately. And like a week later, she called me. She said, I don't know if you'd be interested, but about... Two years ago, I signed up with this woman, Janet Nahobek, and I got an hour appointment, but I only need a half hour. Would you want the other half hour? And I dropped. I said, what? And I told her that I had just called to get an appointment. I said, that's my son, Brian. He knew that I needed this. And sure enough, I went the next week <laughs> and I got a reading and it was so helpful to me. So, I mean, this is what happens. He leads me in the path of the right people. He knows who I need to connect with. Wow. Yeah. One other thing I want to say. Yes. Who sold me my house? Um, I came in. This was only like several weeks ago. He lost his daughter to, uh, she was like 14 on a on an accident with a four-wheeler. And, you know, we became friends after he sold my house because we both had this thing in common. We both lost our children. And he was having a really, really hard time even though she passed so long ago. And I, just a couple of weeks ago, I came in from walking my dogs. I looked at my phone and I saw I had a missed call from him. And I said, wow, why would he be calling me? It's like 9.30. So I called back and he answered the phone. He sounded very upset. I said, hi, this is Carol. I saw you just called. And he said, who is this? I said, Carol, the one you sold the house to? He goes, oh, hi. I said, I just noticed the missed call. He said, I didn't call you. My phone wasn't even here. I'm just sitting here. I'm having a really bad moment right now. And I'm in a dark place and I don't know what to do. We stayed on the phone for half an hour. By the time we hung up, he was laughing and he said, you just saved my life. And he didn't even call me. <laughs> so this is how Brian leads me to people or things that I need to do. He is such a good partner with me. And I know he couldn't do this when he was here because he had too many issues. I know now he's free from all of this and he's able to use his intelligence, his strength, his love, everything in his power to work with me and be the best partner that any mom could ever ask for. And I'm blessed to be able to do this for others. I am just amazed. And I think the next step for you is just sharing, sharing, sharing as much as you can about the book, the stories. In a second, I wanted you to just think of maybe a couple of stories from your second book to share because we love stories. And I know our listeners are going to pick up a copy of your book. Um, is it on Kindle also? Yes, it is. Perfect. Yeah. Perfect. Because, you know, I'm the kind of gal that likes to write, you know, read them right away. But maybe a couple of stories from your second book. But I just wanted to talk about you had said the 90%. I don't think as human beings, we are designed to be able to understand the bigger picture. I don't. And I think game might not be the best word for this. But when we come to life, we'll say the game of life, it is experiences for our soul, it is learning, it is growing. And when we transition, we'll maybe figure out what it was all for. But I think part of life really is to get the most experiences we can. So even myself, Carol, who's had 25 years now 
of gathering afterlife evidence, even taking courses on mediumship and things. And through my own mind, my own voice, I have given people details of their loved one. I have recorded electronic voice phenomena. I have heard the voices. I have witnessed miracles that I couldn't even begin to describe. Yet I wake up in the morning thinking, was all that just a dream? Did this all happen? And fear comes into my life just like everybody else. So I don't think we are designed to really get it. Because if we knew really how powerful we are, that we're souls having a human experience, that our loved ones are still around us, cheering us on, that we can create miracles. I mean, you know, down to each little atom within our being, all we are is vibrating invisible energy. And somebody just reminded me the other day of our eyes, you know, we think we're seeing, but it's really our brain is is doing things. And we are miracles. So anyone who has that skeptical mind, it is normal. It is natural. It is part of our humanity to help us remember um, or play this game called life as difficult as it is. But we get people like Carol that we hear the words and we get the signs from Brian. I love having the, the dime wrapped within the, within the knife there. That's great. Um, but be gentle on yourself, everyone. Our loved ones want to get us to know that they're alive. They do. And they want us to live our lives powerfully. But like Carol and myself, if we can help someone go on with life, because when we experience grief, there's a lot of people that the first reaction is, I want to take myself out of this life, I either can't handle the pain or want to be with their loved one. There is value to being here on earth. So I really applaud Carol for taking the grief and turning it into something big with the books, with the bears, and just with all of your speaking. So, wow. So in this book, um, like I said, um, the, the life-changing experiences, um, also there was, could this stranger be my angel where a stranger comes into your life and gives you a message, um, you know, of something that you need to hear but like there was a few stories, like the near-death experiences are the ones that really hit home with me the most because these people actually went there and saw their loved ones. I mean, and they were very credible. Um, I mean, I only went with the people that it, it's funny. Whenever I heard a story, if I get chills, that means Brian said, that's the one you need to put in your book. It's, it's validation chills, I call it. And every time I I did hear a story, and I heard so many, and I was so thankful that people shared so many stories, but it was only a few that gave me those validation chills, um, especially with the near-death experiences. This one gentleman, he was so humble. He said he would never uh, share his story unless he was asked. And he said, and you have asked, and therefore I will share. And he did share a, his story where he did go to the other side. And, you know, he says it's very powerful. And he says, you will see people that your grandmother, your great grandmother, your great, 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 and it goes back and back and you will know people when you get there. And he, he spoke to me in a text after he shared his story, when I thanked him for sharing as if he was with Brian talking to me because he kept telling me you're in the light right now. 
you have something you need to do. Brian is working with you. He's very proud of you. You will see Brian again. And I mean, it was so powerful. The chills, I felt like I was going to shake. I was so, you know, moved by what this man said. Um, And, you know, his near-death experience was similar to other people's. I mean, it seemed like people either saw Jesus, they saw God, they, they were told why they were there, why they have to come back. Um, sometimes they were told things to come that were going to come as, as almost like a forewarning, even though sometimes it wasn't something that great, but it was very life-changing, these experiences. When they came back, they were different people and they, had, they knew what their mission in life was. Um, you know, I also shared a story of a a gentleman who lost his son. He had a sign that, that I always talk about. He lost his son in a fire in, um, Rhode Island. It was on the news. It was a big fire. His son perished in the fire. He was young. He was in the band and his wife had such a difficult time accepting what happened to her, his son. And they were in the car one day and she said, I wonder, did he hurt? Like, you know, the fire was, was he in pain? And he said, how many times do I have to tell you? He's fine. You've heard this so many times before. Why are you, you know, bringing it up again? She says, I just feel like he might've been hurting. And then they were cut off by a car and the license plate said no pain. That was that cut in front of them. Yes. And I mean, you know, the other one that I love as well, I mean, there's so many good stories in here. I mean, it's just unbelievable. This woman, the grandmother, she had um, retina problems and she was going blind at the end. and She never got a chance to see her grandson. So after um, she passed, the daughter took a picture of her grandson and he was encompassed. I don't know if you could see this, probably not, but he was encompassed inside an eye, an eyeball. It just surrounds him in the exact shape of an eye. And it's like, I see you now. <laughs> so, I mean, they're just, it's just beautiful stories. I mean, I could talk from now till tonight about the beautiful stories in here. But I, you know, I encourage you, if you need something that's going to make you smile. With my books, I try to keep it very positive. There's so many stories out there that are so sad. And a lot of people are hesitant to read these kind of books because they just, like one woman said, I couldn't get past the title without crying. But I, I, I want to say I really kept it positive. My books are more um, helpful. I mean, I tried to make it so that when you read this book, you're going to feel like hope. You're going to feel good about yourself. You're not going to beat yourself up and feel guilty. The what ifs, the should ifs, the could ifs. I mean, we beat ourselves up every day with that. And also, you know, some people, they don't want to smile. They don't want to laugh. They don't want to go to a restaurant and eat good food because they feel their child's not there with them or their loved one's not there. Or why should they be having a great meal when, you know, they're not here? But you can't do that because I've learned that when we're happy, they're happy. It raises their energy level. They, They feel, you know, they don't want to see us crying. They don't because they know that we're going to be together one day and that we have something to do here. And we have to try to live every day the best we can because tomorrow is never promised. Yeah, great words. Never, never promised. Carol, can you just tell us what we'll find when we go to a lifeforbrian.org? Yes, you'll find everything about me. 
and my journey. Um, it has some good news articles. I did get a lot of media attention over the years. Uh, I was on Channel 12 News. I, I was in a lot of magazines uh, for my autistic uh, anti um bullying bears, um, but it also has references where you can go. It has that website that I spoke about earlier. Um, and it just has a lot of information. And also it has my bears. If you'd like to see all the different bears that I had, it, it showed, it has my books and um, it's just a good place to go where you can, you know, see what I'm doing, reach out to me. Um, I'm happy to provide any resources. If you have children that are suffering from addiction, mental illness, if you lost somebody, if you're feeling like you can't get out of bed, these are all things that I'm here for to help you. Um, I encourage you to look at my website, alifeforbrian.org, and you can just click on and you can also contact me through there and I'm happy to connect with you. Carol Cooper, thank you for being our guest today. Thank you so much. It's been such a pleasure. And I really appreciate you allowing me to share my story. Absolutely. This story needed to be shared because I know people listening or watching, we all know people. We can all share. We can all talk about this episode. We can talk about your books and what you've been through and most especially talk about what's happening with the pills and you never know what's out there and what it could be laced with. So please, ladies and gentlemen listening, please share. Please, please, please. And for our listeners also, I just want to say thank you for taking the time to listen. It really makes a difference. We could be busy uh, watching, binge watching shows or who knows what else, getting caught up in the thoughts of our own mind. But just the fact that you decided to press the play button uh, tells us something big about who you are. I want to remind everyone, our home base is wedontdie.com. You can go to the store page. If you scroll down, you'll find my audiobook, We Don't Die, A Skeptic's Discovery of Life After Death. Feel free to use the coupon code FREE to get yourself a copy of that. We also have a lot of upcoming demonstrations and classes and things, and your loved ones are right with you. You can find all the past episodes of both my podcasts. I have We Don't Die Radio and also Shades of the Afterlife. So you can check them all out there. And also just remember Carol's website, which is a alifeforbrian.org. So in closing, my name is Sandra Champlain, and I have been your host today on We Don't Die Radio. I do believe that life is an education for the soul and that your life on earth is important. Carol, just one more time, what's written on the bottom of the bear's foot? What are the three steps? Uh, ready, set, go. Get ready to carry on, set a goal, and go out there and cherish your loved ones. Perfect. I couldn't have said it better okay. myself. Don't stop talking about your you know, loved ones, share, share, share. Even if people don't want to hear it, you keep talking because that's what I do. And I love talking about my son, Brian. And that's what I'm going to do until it is my time. Amen, sister. We'll get your words out as far and wide as we possibly can. So ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening or for watching. And we'll see you again soon. <laughs>